you got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, their to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electric People. We are really excited today. Ty, We ha- I know you don't really know Enos, but Enos Henry... He works in the Boston North office, and he is coming off a rally championship, a company-wide rally championship in the starter division. Um, he's been one of our up-and-coming reps that we've had in that Boston North office for the last year and a half or so, and it's actually his second stint with the company, um, which we'll get into a little bit here in a, in a little bit. But I wanted to give you guys a little bit of Enos's background he uh, he was born and raised in the Boston area. Um, someone that I know, you know, consider one of my good friends. He's worked uh, really closely with our team out here in Boston North. And then um, he has worked as an EMT. He's been in the military. He uh, was training to be in the Olympics at one point. He's just one of the most interesting people you'll ever meet. And um, this past Saturday... Uh, you know, everyone that's listening right now knows we're in kind of a a really unique time, especially here in the country coming out of the quarantine. And then of course, with um, all the black lives matters, uh, black lives matter movement. And Enos has a really, really unique perspective on all this. And we felt like it was really important for one, his uh, message to get out here. And then two, he's just been killing it anyway. And we wanted to have one of our rally winners on, uh, anyway, so it was kind of a perfect timing. And then he gave one of the best trainings that I've ever heard on, uh, every single Saturday, the new England region does a quick, like 15 to 30 minute training call to get the day started. And we always have our top performing reps do those trainings. Enos gave one of the most impactful trainings that I've ever heard on that call. I mean, there's times where I, you know, Ty and you know this, like we hear so many trainings all the time. It's really easy to kind of zone out every now and again. This was one of those ones when Eno started talking and telling his story that it was gripping and watching the group chats and just the DM chat. I mean, everyone was just absolutely blown away at this story. So I'm really, really excited for, especially everyone that doesn't know Enos to hear his story, what he's all about, and, and of course, his experience with Vivint Solar. So, Enos, excited to have you on, man. How you doing? Thank you for having me. It's amazing. It's an honor. It's like the Ty Williams and the Adam McClellan. You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> he can't even get my name right, Ty. He's known me for four years. He still can't right. get my name right. <laughs> well, hey, so I was going to say, okay. you, started off, you started off by saying you don't know if I know Enos, and I... I, I know all I need to know from the results, man. Like, again, I, I think, you know, you definitely made a name for yourself as far as production goes. That was a great match in the rally. Uh, oh, you took out you. one of our West Coasters in there. Still a little painful. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I've heard, I've heard really good things. So thanks for being on. Excited to learn today. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. So, Enos, one of the things that you talked about on this train, I've heard you talk about it a lot in the past, is this, um, this concept of a fixed mindset in – um, so what, what does that mean to you? And, and I want you just to kind of share your story of how you got involved with Vivint Solar and just even got started with us and some of the hurdles that you had to overcome to get there. Sure. Uh, so 
fixed mindset. There's that you know, there's a fixed mindset and there's a growth mindset. Uh, you know, two types of qualities. You have one or the of the other. Uh, and the fixed mindset is, you know, thinking all your qualities are set in stone. Like we are all suited to do certain things in life, and that's it. Uh, people with a fixed mindset avoid challenges because it makes them feel untalented or not smart. Uh, saying I can't do that because I don't have the skill set, or I can't hit that sales mark, I can't play that sport, that's too hard, or he or she's a natural, that's why they can do that and I can't. Uh, those with those mindset believe that successful people are lucky or naturals in what they do, and they don't see the hard work and dedication behind the success. So with that mindset, you lose drive and quit when things get hard. You can't really overextend yourself too much because then, you know, what if you fail? Um, and then it's expected of you every time. So you stay in a comfort zone. It could be at your job. It could be physically. It could be in your relationship. It could be physic with your with any type of goal and 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 any type of dream. And the worst part of it is the ma any major setback or failure ends up defining you or sets you back for a long time. And you see potential failure as all of your hard work going down the drain. So on the flip side, a growth mindset, which is one that I strive every day to have. And when I believe that so many leaders at Vivint Solar have, you believe that your qualities and skills can always be cultivated, no matter how bad you are at something when you start it. Uh, you look for challenges, you thrive on them. One outcome in life doesn't define your character. It doesn't define your ability, doesn't define your potential. Uh, you know, you look at it as, okay, bad day, bad month, bad year, this happened to me, but it does not define me. And with a growth mindset, you know that success doesn't come without sacrifice and hard work. So you look to those doing better than you, you pick their brain, figure out how you can do the same, but it's more than asking, it's taking the answer and applying it. You know, and as Don Gomez would say, it's simple, but it's hard. And most importantly, the hard work that you do is always meaningful to you, regardless of the results in the moment, because you learn and you grow and you made your best effort. So it's never a waste of time. So you trust the process. And so this is my goal. If I don't hit it, I'm going to figure out what I can do better and go right at it again. So it's being relentless towards your goals, regardless of circumstances and outcome. Uh, and so, so that, that's, what I, that's mainly what I was talking about the other day. Uh, and, and the way it applied to me, uh, just growing up, you know, my parents, they, they grew up in Jamaica. My father had many brothers and sisters, so their parents had to grind to provide for them all. And it's amazing, you know, because all my aunts and uncles are so successful. They're in London, Canada some still in Jamaica, and despite those circumstances and despite the tremendous amount of racism and adversity setbacks they experienced when they came to America, my parents paved the way for a great life for me, my sister and I. My mother's a retired registered nurse and my father's a retired tailor. So by the time my sister and I were born, we arrived into a middle-class home in a great neighborhood. We went to a great school and I was given great opportunities. That's where I had the pleasure of meeting John Stanisek, who's a, a, my DM, but also a lifelong friend. You know, so prior to the solar career, I actually studied biology at Holy Cross. Um, you know, like you said, I'm a veteran from the army. I served as a medic in a military police company. And that experience is what told me that, you know, I came back and I said, you know what? maybe I shouldn't do this. You know, I kind of had a fixed mindset at the time. I wanted to be a doctor, and then, but I was very much an em empath. And you have to have a thick skin. You know, you got to be able to say, oh, this person's dead, this person's arms off, and continue to work. And and I didn't think I had <laughs> the hold mindset. On, hold on. So I said, hey, fixed, so fixed mindset, I, I kind of went in a different direction. So I, I took computer engineering courses at Northeastern, landed a job working for City of Malden as an IT specialist. So I was provided with a wonderful foundation. But, you know, 
in a matter of days, it was all stripped away from me, um, and and you know, without my control at all. Um, and 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 it, it's kind of ironic we're talking about this now because in this climate, um, things going on in the world, you know, I I you know I have personal experience with that as well. My credentials did not spare me. Uh, going to Holy Cross, I recall police pulling my friends and I over. Um, there there was a just happened to be black as well. I had plenty of white friends there, but the car I was in was, we were all black. We got pulled over, we were searched. Um, we were on the sidewalk. Um, and it wasn't until they saw Holy Cross IDs and my military ID that the demeanor changed and we were let go. So credentials have saved me from many circumstances. And I know not everyone has creden- the certain credentials and credentials shouldn't obviously shouldn't determine how you're treated. Um, but in, in this particular circumstance for me, uh, like what I'm about to talk about, you know, credentials didn't save me. So I, w- I was working for the city of mm-hmm. Malden uh, as an IT specialist. Uh, it was it, To me at the time, it was a great job making $40,000 a year. I thought it was a ton of money back then. I was comfortable. Again, I had a fixed mindset, so it was great. And also giving back to my city to the point that I was doing almost too much. You know, my mother warned me, don't do too much. But, you know, I just thought the best of everyone. Uh, and John, who who grew up with me, he always kept in touch with me. He, he saw better, he thought, he tried to open my mind, convince me to work with Vivint on the side. And so I said, all right, I'll give it a chance. Matter of fact, Adam, it was you that interviewed me. Uh, and one of the things that, that stuck with me, you, you actually told me, you said, remember that you have a, another set of challenges being African-American. So it's gonna be a little bit more of a challenge for you. So that was very real to me and it, it definitely prepared me. And I don't know if you remember this, but my second week of knocking doors, I was called a racial slur and a guy drove by and threw a can of paint on me. <laughs> and I remember coming yeah. back to the office and saying, Chris, is this normal? I know you said it's going to be objections. And he said, oh, my God, no, that should not be happening. What city were you knocking when that happened? It was Stoneham. Uh, my mother actually told Stoneham, me to yeah. this is in, in the politics. She said, do not go to Stoneham. And I didn't listen to her. And I went to Stoneham. And Dude, that's I, crazy. I, I, so I know Boston. <laughs> I, I, did a, I did an alarm summer there. I've been out there without him a couple times. And uh, yes. Boston strikes me as, you know, they, they, they actually say like one of their, their tag phrases is the most progressive state in the union, right? Like, and and, yeah. and there's so much diversity in Boston, man. I've knocked doors in Dorchester, Mattapan, Jamaica Plains, right? I've been in Brockton. And every single one of those places is very, you know, in some of those places, I was the clear minority. And it actually mm. blows my mind that you would be somewhere in the city of Boston and have someone single you out for your race and throw paint at you. Do that. that I actually didn't know that story about you. And that's crazy to me. What year was that? That was like that was probably 2014, maybe the end of 2014 when I first. Uh, yeah, um, and, and yeah, so you know, first, when you, Enos, when you first started with us um, back in 2014, what what happened that made you leave Vivint um, the first time and kind of go back to what you were doing before? So, well, I actually didn't go back to what I was doing before. What happened was I was actually. I was working, I was working uh, eight to four. I would then hop on the doors. I'd leave city hall, hop on the doors. Uh, and then I was actually going from there and I was doing an overnight shift at the Christmas tree shop for, um, I, I, at that time, I, I think I was just in a grind mode and I didn't realize that I could have just applied all of that 
to Vivint. I didn't. I never saw Vivint as a full time job. I thought it was just a stint or this was a temporary thing, and so I didn't really take it uh, as seriously. And I was more focused on the city job, and it, it wasn't until uh, you know, like like I said, at that point, what happened? Long story short, an eighteen hundred dollar check. It was like fifteen or eighteen hundred dollars. It went missing at City Hall. They caught the girl that did it, and the investigator at, at the time made the decision that it was the black kid that works there that must have helped her do it. And although she admitted to it, he coerced her into admitting that by saying they'll they'll sweep it under the rug if it's Enos that did it. And he told her, hey, Enos has a great reputation, a great relationship with the mayor. So if he gave it to you, it's better than if you did it because you'll be deported to Canada. So she gave into the pressure and said that I did it. Even though the next day her lawyer did tell her, just tell the truth because they're going to do what they're going to do regardless. And luckily for me, she wrote a statement which should have exonerated me, but uh, the damage was already done. So I was pulled out of my job with a no trespass till after the investigation. I was interrogated. They raided my family's house. Uh, they were very rude in the process, asking, you know, how did your family afford this house? This must be a rooming house. Uh, my poor cousin was on a pacemaker at the time, so his blood was boiling. So I had to try to, you know, prevent him from getting um, too angry. You know, I have another cousin that was in the military that wasn't home at the time. They took his gun license away because he had his gun in, stored in the safe and he hadn't registered the new address. He had just moved to the house. And so they would just said, you know, if you tell us what you did, you know, we won't we won't get him in trouble. You know, he had to fight for his gun license and he went to court. And then they told the court that he was being investigated for weapons and drug charges, which was a straight lie. But it caused it to get tabled until my investigation was over. So he, he never got his gun license back for five or six years. Uh, and so. It got, like I said, it got tabled and impacted, you know, sort of impacted members of my family. And, you know, at, at the time, Vivint was growing and, and you know, things were, it, it actually was, you know, going through the growing pains where it was assumed that we were putting liens on homes. So I had customers calling me about that. Um, you know, PTO times were a little bit longer with it being such a new thing. And so I succumbed to the pressure and I, I told my DM at the time, I said, hey, I can't deal with this, um, Chris. I have a case to beat. I assumed that I would be back in a few months because I knew that it was ridiculous. So I left Vivint thinking that, you know, I could easily come back. Uh, that, again, that was that was the fixed mindset and, and the biggest mistake I ever made looking back because what I thought was a few months became a five-year battle. Uh, so, you know, picture feeling like you're on top of the world and doing well in the matter of a few days, you're pulled out the job you're dedicated to. I was investigated, had credit cards canceled, my house was raided, my family embarrassed. That was slandered online uh, over the course of five years. It, it grew. It got worse as time went on. You know, John Stanisek always called and checked on me. And every time I, he spoke to me, I had a new charge. And and in the, over the course of five years, I ended up facing an eight count felony indictment in federal court. So it, it went to a, a, a higher level uh, and it, it got really messy. You know, the people I work with that that should have come to defend me, stayed silent, most likely out of fear, you know. And this is all for, for an $1,800 check. To put it in perspective, there was uh, a Caucasian female years prior responsible for stealing half a million from the city and didn't face half the charges I faced. And the worst part about it was I was really close to attaining a cool dream. Um, I was blessed with the gift to run. Um, my, I didn't always take, I didn't, took it for granted when I was younger, but when I got older, I, I realized my speed was improving even after college to a point that, I realized, okay, I got to really see what I can do with this. And I, my time was at a level where I knew, okay, I, I, I can train to hit the Olympic trials in the 400 meter dash. Uh, and it was my one opportunity to make a run like that. And everything was 
falling into place for me to do so. And all of that was tossed to the side with this happening, my reputation that question. And I didn't, wasn't granted a speedy trial. Um, I was considered guilty really before facing a trial uh, with, you know, with eight felonies in an open case. I, got to, I couldn't get back into Vivint now. I couldn't keep a job at Domino's. <laughs> I wasn't not granted a speedy trial, like I said, it dragged on. Um, and, and I realize now that's a systemic issue. Uh, you know, try to break you down to take a plea deal uh, when you realize you can't live um, or you might end up committing a crime or doing something that's illegal to make money on the side. And that, that's when, that was my first time really having that understanding of minorities in the system, how they get stuck and they have to resort to that. Um, luckily for me, I have a great family to lean on, especially my mother, who she always has my back. And we're, we're well known in Malden. It was, it was bad enough that my family had to walk around in shame for five years. I felt like a disappointment being in the position I was in, but I couldn't be a burden. So I found different ways to make money. Uh, I got really good at poker and blackjack, betting on sports. You know, that was my income for about four years. And, you know, hey, just Enos, imagine waiting for, you know, yeah. I wanted to, sorry to interrupt you, but I wanted to, no, you no touched problem. on something a minute ago that I want you to touch on. Um, I think we're, sure. you know, we've been talking about Black Lives Matter um, a lot over the past couple of weeks. And um, the overwhelming feeling, I hope that especially our black athletes feel from at least us as a company is, is support and love. But I think there's a lot of, um, especially like, you know, our, our reps that aren't black or that don't understand when you say the systemic problem, like the systemic issues that are, are tough to break out of. Can you help yes. maybe just give an example of maybe just a story that you're aware of or someone that you know, or just, you know, an example that kind of helps illustrate that? Well, it's, it's honestly, it's really, every, it's looking through, life through a different set of lenses and growing up i didn't always see it like i grew up in a in a in a white neighborhood uh i didn't have um things to reference all i was always the only black kid in the school or only black and that's because my parents set that up for me and had me in a certain neighborhood you know malden at the time was mostly white um it, it's completely changed now and so i didn't see it originally growing up it wasn't until i got a little bit older and you know i was all out of the the bubble my parents created for me that you know didn't my credentials didn't matter and, and you know it, it it's it's a subtle thing it's like you know certain things that um you know white people don't have to experience that we do you know going into a store and automatically being followed it, it's it's walking by a car and hearing that little lock noise when you when when some or or walking by a person have them cross the street or clutch their purse just just based on how you look uh that that that's really what it is and when we say systemic issue you know when you have so it, it's really the issue is you know i believe the the we're, we're taught subconsciously to fear black people <laughs> or black people are angry black there's certain things that certain themes that are out there that you know and it can sometimes drive the way things go uh I, you know in many cases like, like when this happened to me i was in for under many people's eyes i was automatically guilty uh it, so it is and i had to get an overwhelming amount of you know evidence or, or find find ways to to figure out how to get out of that, you know? So it, it's, uh, it's it, that's the issue. It's really, when you say systemic racism, it, it's it's uh, the position that, that that we're in. You know, we don't have the same, we're not in the same positions. We're not in the positions of leadership. We're, we're not represented in, in a lot of different platforms where, you know, where laws are made, where rules are made. And so the things that take place are in effect, 
do not really represent us or benefit us as a people. And, and, that's the, and that's the part that a lot of people don't see and don't understand. You know, so I was talking to, tell me what you think about this. I was talking to Rich Accorier. Do you know him on the West Coast? He's a franchise not. guy. He, he crushes. He's in East LA. I was talking to him the other day and uh, I was telling him, he, he, was, he was explaining the same thing to me, you know, and I, I just started by saying, hey, I don't understand 100% how you feel because how could I? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I just don't understand it firsthand. Um, and I said to him, I was like, I'm really grateful for, I always call it a pure financial ecosystem of direct sales, right? It's, it is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no one determines how much you earn. No one says, okay, you know, this is what, this is what you get, Adam, this is what you get, right? It's all commission. It's all based on, on production, right? So I told him, yes. I was like, man, and I tell you the same thing. I was like, one of the things that I'm proud of is I'm really proud to be associated with the group where you're compensated based on your accomplishments. And honestly, you rise through the ranks based on your accomplishments. Like if you look at the league, the league is how much installs are you doing? Even like sometimes to our credit or like to our, to our, I don't know, frustration. It's, Hey, I worked really, really hard this quarter and I only did 13, not 15. Right. And it's like, Hey, the number's 15 at the same time. Uh, the cool thing about Rich, the cool thing about you is he's risen up through the ranks. The cool thing about Mackenzie Watts, like the cool thing about all of these people that are in these ascending positions is they they earned them based not on their, their race, their gender, what they look like. They earned them based on, did you do the volume? Do you think, number right. one, do you think that exists or do we still have some work to do? Do you think it actually is a pretty pure ecosystem where people are rewarded based on their, their production and the, and the, the value they add to the company? And number two, mm-hmm. do you think, how do you, how do you think we can, we can apply that to maybe some of these systemic issues? Uh, I believe Vivint Solar, honestly, yes, we, we are judged by our performance. We're judged by our character. We're judged by the impact we have on others. Uh, I believe, in my personal opinion, I think that's great. I think you guys are, uh, are head and shoulders above many other companies. Uh, I'm, I'm proud to see other strong and talented reps of color taking this opportunity head on, finding success and getting recognized for it. You know, names like Nano, Say, Brian Cartier, Don Dupi, uh, the list goes on and on. You know, I'm truly grateful for this opportunity. So if anyone's listening to this podcast and you're of color and you're dedicated and want to be at a place where you'll be rewarded based on your effort and ability to be coached, Vivint Solar is definitely a place for you. Um, Not just for people of color, but any group. If you're a female, you can simply look, like you said, to Mackenzie Watts, who came here in her early 20s, worked hard, is now a manager of 500 installs. Uh, Eric Corwin also, I think, may, may won the rally as well, uh, over the age of 50, making a name for himself. The opportunity sees no color, no age, no gender. And I've noticed from the leaders, they're very conscious. And just you saying, you know, I don't understand is so much that's that's actually a huge step. Just understanding, you know, I'm not in your shoes, so I don't fully understand. That's a that's that's step one. That's a huge step, and I think Vivint Solar definitely uh, provides a platform for people of color and and all all underrepresented groups to succeed for sure. Yeah, I often I often say, and I, I appreciate you saying that because again, I didn't I didn't make it. I work here too, right? Like I'm a customer, right? Like I, there's lots of places that we could all work, um, but right. I love this idea of like because you know technically so we'll stick with 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 rich you know you fall underneath adam on the org rich falls underneath me on the org i never once considered mm-hmm. i mean it's like you kind of create your own position and you are doing so much volume that cool keep going keep climbing this is great 
Um, and so I'm glad to hear you say that because frankly, I don't know, but I think, you know, like I, and it's not, it's not just black people, right? Look at all of the different ethnicities that we have. Like when we go into our, our, our team meetings, our leadership meetings, man, it's, it's a real representation, I think, of the cities that we serve, which I'm proud of that, man. Like, I'm I'm Absolutely. proud to be associated with a company that Even feels that way. And I, personally, I, I, personally, personal experience, you know, like I said, dealing with what I was dealing with uh, going into year five, you know, John never, he didn't give up on me, he called, he said, you know, I found a way, I think we can, you know, Adam and I have a way of getting you back in. And he introduced me to Jordan LaPlace, who who I had to sit down with him, talk to him about the case and everything. And, you know, I'd already been, I'd already got hired by Sunrun. And then I ended up getting fired two days later because they had a, a partnership with Home Depot, couldn't pass their background. So, you know, a lot of solar companies tried to pick me up and, and I just couldn't get past that. And when I spoke to Jordan, he, he spoke to HR and, and, you know, Jordan didn't have to do that. Jordan could have looked at me and said, saw an African-American with a felonies on open case and said, oh, oh, no way. But he, he gave me the opportunity. He saw, he saw me for who I was. And, and that's something I'll never forget. Uh, that that's definitely something. Well, that's that how it should me. be. Right. You should look at, you should look at the situation and say, Hey, it, it doesn't actually matter what color you are. It's like, can this person help the team win? And that's what, that's what we should be making decisions on. And if you can help the team win, get on board, help the team win. And if you help the team win more than other people help the team win, then you should be compensated for that, right? Like I wish we're not perfect, right? right? And the world's not perfect and we got a long way to go. But man, for so many reasons, for the quality product that we turn out, for the customer service that you give the people that, that, that you bring on board, I wish more businesses operated with a pure economic uh, kind of ecosystem, mm-hmm. because I think I would get a better service at the car dealership. I think I would get a better better service from from the restaurant. I think, and all of us would, and I think people would right. would thrive. They would grow based on the value that they add, versus some weird nebulous politics that I don't understand and I don't appreciate and I don't want to be a part of. Like I don't, I never want my position to be determined by how like what gym I work out at and if the boss is there too or if. You know what I mean? If our parents play golf right. together, it's like, can, can I can I do the job? And if I can, I should get it. And if I can't, then I shouldn't get it. But at least I'll know why if I don't. You know what I'm saying? Does that resonate? Yes, and that, that does resonate. And, and, and that's the thing, you know, uh, not everyone ha- is as fortunate as me to have had the, the, you know, to be born into a certain circumstance. You know, some there's some who have been for years, you know, from ancestors down, they, they've been, they're born into an under underprivileged situation with, with less opportunity and they're given the bad end of the stick. Uh, you know, so the way I, you know, the way I look at my situation, although I was given the good end of great end of the stick, I ended up with the bad end of the stick. So I had to, you know, at that point I said, okay, this is a test of your character. Like, who are you, who are you going to become? You know? And so, you know, what, and when I came back, you know, I just told myself, you know, this is a time, I'm not going to take any opportunity for granted. It can be taken from you in a heartbeat. And I'm a, I'm not a seasoned sales rep. This is really my first and only sales job. I worked as a third party selling Comcast door to door and two days on the field. It was pretty hard for me at the time. It wasn't until I came to Vivint where I learned everything about sales. Um, you know, nobody judged me based on my experience. It's just a matter of, are you willing to to learn? Are you willing to take in that, that work? And I, I always recommend this, uh, this opportunity to individuals of color uh, because I can tell that 
the the color is orange in, in this company. <laughs> it really I like is. That. And, and I, I appreciate that. So, you know, so I remember when, um, when you were coming back and John approached me and Jordan called me and, and they were like, Hey, we want Enos to come back. I remember saying to them immediately, I, I knew what was going on. I think you and I had even had a phone call at one point and you kind of explained what was going on. And I remember hearing your story and just thinking about just sort of like, it was like this ludicrous situation. Like it was just insane. And I remember thinking this feeling of like helplessness when you were like, Hey man, like if you can get me back, like I'm in. And I just remember sitting there going, Oh, I don't, I don't know if it's possible because of right. this situation and this feeling of helplessness. And, and then I, it, it like dawned on me for the first time, like, you know, how must it feel to just have this feeling that you're completely out of control. You, you have these circumstances that are just out of your control that are preventing you from, you know, getting a job, like any job. Like you said, you couldn't get a job at, you know, delivering pizzas. You know what I mean? So, fired from Domino's. <laughs> Domino's. In, in I week. mean, it's crazy. With the Domino's firing. I call yeah, I didn't he told me rough. not to bring he told me not he told me not to bring that up, Ty, but hey man, we got no secrets on <laughs> How do you electric not? people, you know. Nope. Um so I remember calling Ben Harper. Though. Go ahead, Enos. Yeah, go ahead and I'll, I'll Oh finish. no, no, go ahead. You can finish. I'll, I was I'll gonna say I I remember I remember calling Ben Harper and kind of explained it to him. And then he this is what I love about the company and just our people is Ben, you know, Ben obviously has a high level of trust with, you know, like Ty and I and Daryl and Jordan and all of our leaders. So when we come to them with a, a unique situation, we explain it. They don't just auto like auto say no. It's not just like an auto DQ. They're like, all right, well, let's, let's hear the situation. So explain it all. And then Ben immediately, I could tell was touched kind of by the whole situation. We can see there's a barrier here let's figure out the way to make this thing work. And eventually we were able to, to make it work. And I remember coming back to you and just saying, Hey man, like, like this is, this has been really challenging to, you know, to figure this whole thing out. Um, and we're doing it all in good faith that you're shooting us straight, right? We're doing it all in good faith that you're telling us the truth. And, um, you know, from a personal standpoint for me, I was like, you know, let's, you know, make me look good here. You know what I mean? And so I just wanted to, to express to you, like, like you came back, you were then, well, I'll just let you finish the story, but you, you basically came back and, and then what happened was basically all the charges. Well, I'll say this. I mean, I was obviously, I was a rock bottom. Um, it was very depressing. I, you know, and what I did was I stopped watching TV. I did listen to a lot of motivational speeches because you know a lot of my friends told me you know what you need to do is you got to stay mentally strong that's the only thing they can't take away from you uh i had recorded a lot of vivant trainings ironically and that's what kind of increased my appreciation for vivant so at the time you know adam you you were a dm and you there was a particular uh recording i had i came across a recording of you talking about adversity and being mentally strong and you said, no matter what the situation or circumstance or how bleak it looks, you have to look it dead in the eye and believe you'll prevail and overcome. I think you made a comparison to Tom Brady 
and the Patriots and believing and having confidence in yourself, no matter the odds. And that literally was a big part of what carried me the rest of the way. Um, it's a major part of the reason I'm standing here now, you know, with without a record, with a strong mind, ready to take the world on. And, you know, you never know how your words can impact someone. And I hope my words will someday save someone like yours definitely saved me um, mentally. Uh, that was, I, I think I did tell you that a, a couple of years ago, but I just want to reiterate that, that, you know, you really don't know how you're going to affect someone, but those words definitely helped carry me and, and, and listening to things like that. Uh, and, you know, so I was able to, to get past it and that, you know, it came back to Vivint, uh, you know, with a kind of a newfound look on everything. <laughs> you, you really can't, you really can't come back the same way. Uh, you know, I was blessed to meet Don being a squad my first quarter. He gave me the blueprint, uh, you know, and, but, you know, I still kind of had, Still had a little bit of a fixed mindset. I, had to, I only halfway embraced it, and because and even but even halfway embracing, it, I did pretty decent. Uh, and you know, I, I wasn't worried about rejection at the door. That was the least of my worries after I'd been through. You know, so I, I did well in the rally last year. I won coastals, but in my brain, I said, "Yo, you know, I kind of was happy winning coastals." And then in the company round, I definitely got smoked. And that and I think that that mindset carried throughout the year. My goals weren't big enough, and you know, how, how you do one thing is how you do everything, as Don says again. How you do everything is how you do one thing. And when my Q4 took a major dip, I realized my complacency. I realized I needed a reset. I, I was in a relationship that had ended. I had a, you know, close friend who had stolen from me. So things were slipping again. And I said, you know, I've been through enough already. And and, and being on the company cruise Still being treated um, such a in a, such a great way, but knowing I wasn't working close to my potential like I could, I, I realized I was selling myself short. So at the end of 2019, I said, "Okay, I can't. I can maybe I can fool everyone, but I'm not fooling myself." I, I knew I was greater than this, and I had to remember what I came from. I was looking. I was. It was that thing that you just don't try not to think about. But I realized if I really want to take things to the next level, I needed to embrace the pain of what I went through and, and use it as fuel. So I made a new goal in 2020, not to feel the discomfort of complacency, not and and felt the pain that I felt over the five years. And so, and said, okay, these are my goals. I have a newfound um, approach and, and I have another chance and I need to take advantage of this. So when the coronavirus hit, I made an immediate decision that instead of having a, a fixed mindset and saying, oh, well, these are the circumstances, I said, okay, I need to find a way around this. Uh, and just doubled my efforts, you know, just kind of like, you know, sorry, coronavirus, you got to go. I got to find a way around this. I got to the phones and I didn't realize it at the time, but my mindset did was changing to a growth mindset. Uh, I started applying and, and listening to the trainings that I've had in my iPad this entire time from, you know, you know Don McKenzie, uh, John, uh, Jordan, all, all this great training. Uh, and I was talking this to so many people on the phones that, when coronavirus, you know, when we were allowed to, to go out again, I had many places to go and, and there was no magic formula besides the training. Um, so I'm a product of, of, you know, my DM's effort, but all I had to do was apply what I learned. So rally this year was kind of like unfinished business for me. I said, you know, I'm going to give it my all um, and not assume that can't beat the West Coast. And it's been a battle and I've had to become the best version of myself, but I was prepared to be whatever I had to be. Um, no matter what came my way and because I've been through so so much worse and, and it was no disrespect to any of my opponents but I knew my why was bigger my drive was bigger my dedication was larger and I'm determined to win and win or lose 
I knew in the end I would become a better sales rep. So that was the mindset I had. That was the mindset that Eric Corwin had, and we we, we shared it with each other. Uh, and and now I'm hitting goals, and 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 so much faster than I ever thought I could. I'm gaining ground on the five years of my life that I lost. You know, I made forty thousand a year grinding as a city employee. I have a twenty-eight thousand dollar check coming in next week for two installs. I have so much more in the pipeline. And, you know, to have a caring family that was so concerned about me being able to tell them, you don't have to worry about me anymore. As a matter of fact, let me take care of you. Man, that's cool. I have uh, have two questions or two thoughts. Um, You're calling it a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Um, We had a a performance coach and sports psychologist on here a little bit ago. His name's uh, Craig Manning. And he said very similar things. It's cool. Like that's a lot of what electric people is about is what principles are these people in different situations and sometimes different careers using that are the same and universally applicable. And he called it a proactive versus a reactive mentality. So what you're talking about here, uh, coronavirus, right, is instead of being reactive or your situation, Mm -hmm. man, you know, I can't pass a background check in some of these places. Thus, I need to react and do something proactivity is what can I do with this, right? So I think, I think that's, you're saying the exact same thing, which is truly electric, right? Where it's like, hey, I need to look at each situation proactively and react. What can Enos do? What can I do? How can I prevail? Um, the second thing that I think is interesting, and I want your, your take on this, you didn't mention it this way, but it's how I interpreted it is, you know, you talked in the very beginning about not being above uh, something, not being above asking advice from other people, not being above any kind of job. Um, so I don't know if you've ever listened to anything in like your mindset training by Ryan holiday, but he talks about this idea of the ego being the enemy. And I think Mm. proactive people drop the ego, right? They don't worry about, they don't worry about how they look. They worry about proactivity and I need to get ahead. I need to, I need to learn as much as I can. And if you know it, I'll learn it from you versus I should right. know more than you. So what, what talk about maybe the ego for a second and what you do to make sure that it's not in the way of your progress. And maybe if you've seen common mistakes that people can avoid right. where they get tripped up. Yes, absolutely. Um, ego. I mean, the ego never gets you anywhere. It's uh, no matter how far you get, there's always someone that's better than you. There's always someone that you can look up to and learn from, um, you know, an ego and, and part of being a leader is not having an ego because nobody wants to follow someone that has a large ego. So it's all, I guess it's just a constant, constantly learning, constantly being grateful to the people that helped get you to where you are and never forgetting where you came from. Uh, that, that, that's key. Uh, and you know, when you're surrounded by, you know, problems and challenges, if you're you know buried in bills or you're dealing with, uh, struggling relationships you don't tell yourself there's no way out instead you just embrace the moment and you think about how good it is going to be when you succeed despite all that's going on uh, when you fail you, know, you don't call yourself a failure you don't call yourself a disappointment you don't call yourself not good enough there's a lesson uh, and when you embrace that lesson you use the setback as fuel it'll make you stronger um, and your mindset's everything, but you just can never forget where you came from. Um, it's, you know, it's going to determine your success or failure. I think. It's interesting. Uh, my friend Taylor, Taylor Turnbull for you guys that know him always says we learn what we need to learn. That's like his like life thing is we learn what we're supposed to learn. Right. And so I think right. if you, 
to your point, if you look at life as this is just a journey, this is a thing I'm going through, this is what I what I need to learn. If you can maintain that positive mindset um, and go through it. So maybe give a tip or two. How do you maintain this mindset? It's one thing to talk about it. Maybe some people are slightly more like genetically dispositioned to a proactive mindset, but it can come and go. So what's a thing or two that you've learned on how to maintain a, a growth mindset? Uh, so it's, it's, it's maintaining focus, remembering, remembering why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, it's, it's seeing, seeing the challenge and, and not looking at any challenges impossible. It's, uh, it's seeing like opportunities instead of a setback or looking at hurdle and not seeing a, a brick wall. It's, it's totally looking at things from a different um, lens. So it's like bravery to believe in yourself, no matter what the situation or whatever stacked against you, you're going to prevail or learning what needs to be learned. It's knowing there's no limits within your mind. If you're determined to do what you're trying to do to reach your goal, it's, it's driving and growing uh, and, and going past any normal expectation of people around you. And, and it's a grown mindset, growth mindset that you need in order to win at your job and your relationship in life and not letting setbacks in life outdo your dedication to growth or letting your setbacks in life outdo your mindset or letting setbacks in your life outperform your effort. And the road is always long and the road is always tough to anything that's great, but just knowing that that road's gonna lead to success. And if you do the work, the results will come. And if you're knocked down, you don't stay down. When you're doubted, you don't doubt. And when nobody believes, you believe and find the people that are like-minded like you, lean on them. And that's how you, that's my recipe in my brain to continue to be successful. And then just also just never forget where you came from, because if you don't if you forget where you came from, you get lost. You always remember what you've been through. It's for a reason. And you can now relate to so much more people when you go through a certain struggle. And hopefully you can use that to inspire other people as well. Hey, you know, so I think so, um, I think we'd be we're, we'd be remiss if you know, given the current social situations, um, the topic of white privilege comes up all the time. And I was having a conversation with Quentin Dotson. He's one of our DMs in Maryland and um, uh, one of our black uh, leaders in the company. And mm -hmm. the, I was telling him a conversation that I had with another friend about. Uh, kind of my perspective on it because it's obviously a hot topic. It's a sensitive topic and it's, it's also a really polarizing topic. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. and I said, you know, I have, I have a daughter who is left-handed and she, you know, she didn't choose to be left-handed and she was just born that way. And if you've ever seen someone that's left-handed write in cursive with a lead pencil on a piece of paper, it's really kind of funny, right? Because they have to turn the paper a certain way. They're like writing toward their body as uh, with their left hand. And they, you know, sometimes they'll tear the paper every single time uh, they're the bottom of their hands completely black from, you know, the lead uh, of the pencil. The handwriting is very rarely as pretty as a right hander's handwriting because they're the words are disappearing under their hand as they're writing right they can't see the letters as they're writing and it's just that the system itself the english handwriting system is just not set up for left-handed people to write it's 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 set up for right-handed people right so and you know i take my daughter to the sporting goods store and we go to try and find a baseball mitt or you know a set of golf clubs or whatever and there's like there's usually like the one 
sort of token left-handed like chintzy mint that's like on the shelf and then you have all the right-handed mitts on the shelf or you have the one set of like wilson garbage you know golf clubs for lefties and then all the nice like right-handed golf clubs available and it's not to say you can't special order Mm -hmm. anything for a lefty but it's not there available at the store like you have to do something special to get the left-handed equipment so um, and when I was talking to a friend of mine and trying to explain my interpretation of, you know, white privilege, it's, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, my daughter, my daughter didn't choose any of this. Like she didn't choose to have her hand be black every single time she wrote with a piece of pencil on a piece of paper. Like she didn't choose to only be able to, you know, buy certain things because she's left-handed. So she was just born that way. So do you feel like that's an accurate way to kind of describe um, kind of what it's like to be born black. Like it's not, it's not that it's not possible to be successful or it's not that it's not possible for a left-handed person to make it to the big leagues or to be a pro golfer or to do all these things. It's just statistically the averages, it just makes it more difficult. Um, and one there's, you know, there's left, there's less left-handed. So there's less personalized coaching. There's less specialized coaching And it's just harder to sort of make it athletically as a left-hander. And do you feel like there's a parallel there with like the same similarities of being born black, where you just have inherently sort of things that are just a little bit more difficult? Yes, absolutely. Uh, You know, white privilege is more than just being um, unaware because you're born with favorable circumstances and assume that everyone else has it. You know, I was born into a great situation. Right? Look what I've dealt with, you know, so, you know, it's, it's living in a society where you're more likely to get better schooling, where you're more likely to get a better job, where you're, you're easier to approach, where people don't cross the street when they see you. It's uh, you're, you're treated differently in a set system that we live in. So uh, it's important not to turn a blind eye to blatant injustice to some to a black person in society because they're going through something totally different and they have, they're working with a different set of rules. One thing my mother always tells me is remember the rules are not the same for you as your friends if I'm going out with my friends. And I never understood that and when you know I was going out with a group of friends that were white. Because I used to always see things one way, but she'd say, you know, remember there's a different set of rules for you. Um, and that's what she meant by that, you know, and not just black men, it's, it's black women as well, you know, and I guess I worked in a military police company, so I'm not ignorant to think that there's not great police officers out there. A lot of poli- police officers are my friends, but unfortunately, not all have that mentality. When they're in those positions of power, they're being abused. Um, so not just black men, but, you know, black women as well. You know, Breonna Taylor killed by police and Natasha McKenna killed from police-induced trauma, Marion Carey killed by federal agents. You know, Sandra Bland died in police custody. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. So, you know, what can be done? You know, it's like the anger stems from a, a, a deep sense of helplessness and anger, because we know for a fact it won't be the last time it happens. So the question really isn't how to, how to solve it. It's really having a deeper understanding of why it's here. And, and, and saying I don't understand is the first step. You know, our ignorance and lack of attention to the root cause of the problem is the issue. And so we have to challenge our ways, you know, just challenge our actions, and we have to challenge the common thoughts we're taught at an early age to lead to, to change in the differential treatment of different races. Uh, 
you know, in light of recent events, it's great that, you know, people are taken to the streets demanding to be seen as people who are valued and deserve protection. And, and, and I have a lot of hope when I see uh, white people standing next to them demanding justice. I think this new generation is a different generation. Without the efforts of, of these groups and, you know, the issue of systemic racism will continue to get swept under the rug. Um, so, you know, many of my white friends ask me, oh, well, you know, what can we do? And that, that's a positive thing. You know, it's, it's really pay attention to the way black people are treated. Don't assume there's no racism. Don't be silent when you hear a racist comment behind closed doors. Stop assuming there's only a few bad ones. That, you know, acknowledge that in any case, we're, we're treated as suspicious people first and humans second. So understand it's gonna mostly... You know, if you don't mind. Um, this is something yeah. you said, and I, I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, back to your mom saying, uh, yes. well, actually, let me start here. So you said, you know, saying that I don't understand is the first step. I, I, I take that to like, you know, if I'm in an argument with my wife, if we're not seeing eye to eye, right? I don't always mm -hmm. want her to solve the problem. But when she says, hey, listen, I, I get that this is hard for you. And I'm, and I'm sorry, like, part of me is like, oh, I can just put my guard down for a second. It does help, right? It feels yes. good. It's like, okay, you're human, we're human. There's some feeling of a connection there. But when you said your mom, when you were leaving, said, hey, the rules are not the same for you as everybody else. And then you also said the next generation will probably grow up with more awareness or something to that effect. The question is this. Yes. I'll share openly and you tell me if I'm off. When I see people out there peacefully protesting and and standing side by side with people of all different ethnicities, I look at that. I'm like, that's that's right. That should be. You got you got a group of Americans or a group of people that are in pain right now, and then you have other humans that are there to empathize and stand with them. I think that's I think that's great. Do you think right. it's getting better? Do you think that the next generation will handle this better? Because your parents and my parents probably thought differently than you and I think. And our grandparents definitely thought differently. And my kids Absolutely. right? My kids you know what I mean? They, they're not getting the same things that's been passed down generationally. That's what I think. But do you think that's true? And do you think that the next generation is equipped and are we going the right direction? I personally do see a difference. Uh, yeah, I do. I do believe that. I do have hope in that. But uh, it really goes back to the same thing. Uh, having a, a growth mindset, see, trying to see um, the positive things that are also taking place, uh, you know, and, you know, I, I try to tell some of my black friends that, you know, I'm really bitter and won't even accept any, any form of positivity from any white person. I'll say, hey, we have mm -hmm. to also not respond with hate. We have to remove the fixed mindset. We have to, uh, you know, we, we, okay, we've been given a bad set of circumstances. We can thrive on the challenges. Um, we've been given horrible circumstances and setbacks, but they don't define us and they don't define our ability potential, you know, so, um, and I, you know, and part of why I went through what I went through, I try to look at it that way, you know, I can now say, hey, take it from someone that had it all stripped away, use that pain and the outrage as fuel, um, align with people that will, are willing to, to, be different and, and look at things differently because it's strength in numbers. And I think that's showing right now. Um, I, I'm very, I feel very, very positive and I feel optimistic about what I see happening right now. Uh, it, it's uh, education and healing. Uh, that's the key. I think, um, I, I think that it's awesome. First of all, that you brought this back to your growth and fixed mentality, because I can tell that's something that you live by and believe in. Um, 
on a scale of one to ten, how big of a fan of you of the Fast and the Furious franchise are you? Just one to ten. One to ten. <laughs> I actually do like Fast Furious. I'd, I'd give it a nine. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So you're in. You're in. I am. So I don't want to be corny. I don't want to be corny, but the late great Paul Walker in one of the many Fast mm-hmm. and Furious, as he says, the biggest difference uh, is you know like that that people that live by a code are ultimately the ones that stand for something. If you remember, I don't remember what Fast mm. and Furious it's in, but I remember, I remember him saying I, that. I do a call. I, I think that's that. great. Yeah. yeah, that you live by a code. So this isn't an idea or a training that you're like, oh, I listen to this podcast on a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. It sounds like this is something you believe in your core and it helps you get through things. It helps you, it helps you navigate. It's something that you think about, like, am I having a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? about this is that accurate and if people don't have a code like that how can they find strength in something that you believe at your core it's accurate i think it can be applied it can be applied to everything uh you know applied to your relationships can be applied to your physical goals your your work goals your your spiritual goals it's it's really just having that because once you realize get away get the like you said earlier get the ego out the way hey just because I have these fixed set of ideas, let me be open to other ideas. Let me let me open my not assume that I know everything and, and stop limiting myself. Let me think outside the box uh, with everything. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's the Libra in me, but I, I try to weigh weigh everything whenever I'm thinking about something. Uh, and you know, and I I say I wouldn't be where I am. I could have. I could be very bitter. I could be very angry. I could fall right into the category of what um, a lot of us are called angry black man. I have plenty of reason to be angry, but I know that's not going to get me where I want to go. Um, and, and I think it's better to be able to say, despite the odds stacked against you, I was able to succeed. It gives you an amazing and inspiring story that you can use to inspire more people. So it's not the story just about black people alone. It's a story about all of us. If we stop you know, mistakes of our past, if we embrace, um, you know, just em- embrace that growth mindset, I think uh, there really isn't any goal that you can't accomplish, um, including what we're, we're dealing with right now on a, on a, on a grand scale. Um, I think the ideology of older generations will die off. We can challenge the status quo. We can re- win the fight against uh, racial injustice um, on, on a smaller scale. We can, we can achieve that goal in the gym. We can, we can, we can improve that relationship. We can save that relationship. We can, we can be better spiritually, Wh- whatever your goal is. Uh, having a, a growth mindset, looking, not having an ego, looking to, to learn, constantly learn, and not being scared of the results and be not being scared of falling on your face. Um, you can't help but succeed. If you, if you, your goals are too high, your, the habits have to disappear. Uh, and that, that's the way I, I look at it. Uh, you know, when you get thrown to the wolves, is return leading the pack. What else can you do? Um, growth mindset is the way to go. Um, fixed mindset is just going to keep you where you are. Enos, it's been awesome having you on, man. Um, so proud of you. So proud to see how far you've come just in the company. You are, you are a leader in that Boston North office. And I know there's a lot of people that really look up to you, especially in the new England region, but, um, you know, you've made a lot of friends on the East coast from the combine crews and, conferences and things like that. So um, everyone that meets you comes away. Uh, you're just a, a, an inspiring person to talk to. You're always happy. You just have a great energy about you. And um, 
I think we all just are really appreciative of every, everything you bring to the table uh, in the company. And I think it's been really enlightening to have you share with us today. So anyway, thank you. Oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, no problem. And this has been another episode of Electric People. Thanks, guys. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.